show that is all baseball. They're better than they were a year ago. This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz. Brought to you by Jackson Lumber and Millwork. Bigelow T. Gravely Zero Turn Lumbers. The 99 Restaurants. Zing Zang Cocktail in the Can. Wind Waste Innovations. And Woodbridge Wines. On Boston's Home for Sports. 98.5 The Sports Hub. Round ball deep short. That's through for a base hit. Springer rounding and that will do it. And Toronto wins it. It's 6-5. The Red Sox pan. Fails to get an out in the ninth inning. I mean, every time we lose, we're disappointed. You know, we try to get 27 outs with, you know, the righties at the end, and it didn't happen. In terms of, you know, in terms of those last three innings, Schreiber obviously got through the seventh and ten pitches. How, how difficult is it to put the puzzle together, starting there and figure out whether or not to bring him back out for the eighth? I mean, we had a game tomorrow, and he's our best reliever right now. So, you know, uh, TD did a good job. You know, it was a good. You know, a bunch of righties, and you know he got good stuff. You know, uh, we tried to get 27 there, and we didn't finish it. Why? Uh, why? Why was Danish the right guy for to go more than one? I mean, that's the way I saw it. You know, and that's the way I manage a game. I'm the manager here, and I decided to go with him for two innings. Never a good sign when the manager feels the need to tell you that he's the manager. Never a good sign, in my experience, when it gets to that. 617-779-0985 here on the Baseball Hour tonight. It is a Wednesday, so Jared Carabas of DraftKings is alongside. We will take your phone calls on what was one of the more back-breaking, frustrating, annoying, irritating Red Sox defeats of the year last night. Uh, that thing was a freaking debacle for them to lose that game the way they did. And, uh, and when I say that, it's the, really the set of circumstances surrounding it more than anything else. That's my own two cents. 617-779-0985. But Jared Carabas talked me in off the ledge. Was it as bad as I feel? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. There yeah. you go. It was bad. I mean, it was bad. I, I think the second that, you know, you, you look at a guy like Danish going back out there for a second inning of work, uh, to complete a save in a one-run game in Toronto, the the story was already written. The Red Sox had a one-run lead. Danish is out there having to work a second inning because you don't have another dependable righty because you already used Schreiber. Yes, you have Strom, you have Diekman, but when you're facing all all these right-handed hitters, it's like, all right, I guess I guess we'll go with Danish here because again, we don't have Tanner Houck. So the story. I mean, the second that I saw him come back out, I was like, this game's getting blown. And I, I already saw Shaughnessy's column about the anti-vax Red Sox before before he even threw a pitch in the ninth inning. It's just it was almost too perfect. It had to happen that way. I mean, you could see it coming, Jared. You really could. Mm-hmm. Again, and you're not. I mean, we, I think we all felt that way. I know. I, I I know. I felt it during the game as well. That they came back. Ref Snyder hits the home run. And I went, whoa. Then I thought, okay, well, they still got two more innings here. That was in the seventh. Like, how are they going to get through this? Schreiber came in and got through, and they get another run in the eighth. And then I went, holy crap. And then I went, oh, my God, that's right. They don't have a closer. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, that's right. How are they going to get this thing through this thing without a closer? Everybody felt the same thing. And you thought, well, earlier in the year, they came up here, April 25th and 26th. They blew two games. So you tell me, are people right to be frustrated with Tanner Houck? Are like when you look at the list of reasons they lost that game. Is there how do you how do you rationalize the whole thing? Yeah, I, that's the word. That's the word that I would use is frustrated because I I know that people are throwing around the word selfish and this and that bad teammate. 
you have a right to be frustrated. I think going the other route and saying bad teammate and selfish, again, I'm vaccinated. I I don't want to force that on anyone else. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. That's your choice. That's your body, whatever. But even to like one of the points that Shaughnessy made, he was like, well, look at the Yankees. They're they're a hundred percent vaccinated. And it's like, you know, Aaron judge wasn't. And then he realized, Hey, we got a great team here. Let me get the shot. Right. It happened in late April. Right. So I, I think there are guys that are changing their mind and is the success or the willingness or desire to win a championship, the number one motivating factor. I don't know. You'd have to ask Aaron judge or someone of that ilk. Um, but when you have guys like Durant and even Chris Sale, I mean, because Chris Sale hasn't been here, so that right. hasn't been a glaring issue. But had he been healthy and he's the ace of your staff, or at least we don't know how he would have stacked up against the other starters here. But let's say he's a dependable starting pitcher for you. Um, he's not getting any arrows directed in his direction because of the whole vaccination thing. But, you know, I, I think it was Buster only had the tweet last night. If the playoffs started today, you're playing the Toronto Blue Jays, and the way that the new format works is that if you're on the road in the wild card series, all those games are on the road. That's right. The whole series is in one place. Whole series. There is no home road. You play them all in one higher seed, hosts all three games. Best of three, you're playing Toronto. If it goes three, you're playing all of them in Toronto, which means you don't have a closer, you don't have a frontline starter, and you don't have a leadoff hitter. That's not good. Okay. I'm, I'm making no moral judgment. And again, I always say moral judgment. I'm talking baseball here. Mm-hmm. I do look at Tanner Houck and say, dude, you may have cost yourself a job. Okay. You like, if I'm the manager of the team, I'm, I'm trying to find another way to build my bullpen or I'm telling the GM, go and trade for another guy. We're not going through this again in October or late September. And Alex Cora apparently was asked about it again tonight before the game about, you know, do you fear going through this same scenario in late September when you come back here? And Cora said, I'll bet you a dollar right now that it'll be a different case when we come back. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know what he meant by that. Maybe you do. But well, I am interested also, Jared, in the dynamic in the clubhouse. I sense that Cora was frustrated after the game last night. And when I say I sense, I think a lot of people sense that, not just me. But I, I put it that way to say that, you know, I have no, I've had no interaction with him. I don't, you know, I haven't asked him, are you pissed or, but it, I think he was mad. I think he was annoyed and I understand why. I think that again, go back to early in the year when they went on that trip early in the year, it was Tampa and Toronto, if I remember right, in that order. Garrett, uh, or rather Tanner Houck pitched out of the bullpen in Tampa and, or, or was supposed to on the final day. Remember they were going to mm-hmm. use him as a closer uh, and they never got him into a save situation. Garrett Whitlock had to start a game in that series so they could use him again in Toronto. The point being is that Whitlock screwed up their pitching the first time through. Then they went to Toronto, and because Whitlock wasn't available in the bullpen, again, he had started in the Tampa series, they lost two games in Toronto in the late innings. They gave up a grand slam to Bo Bichette. That was Tyler Danish. In what was a 2-2 game at the time, that ended up being a loss. It put him at 6-2, the Grand Slam did. And then the next night, the Red Sox were up 5-2 going into the night. They gave up three runs. They lost an extra innings. And the final two of those three came on a home run by George Springer against Jake Diekman. Okay, so they blew two saves there. Then they go up there again and blow another one last night. So I think Cora's out of his mind. I think he's frustrated that Hulk wouldn't take the Vax. I think he's frustrated that Whitlock got pulled out of the bullpen in the first place and he didn't have either one of them last uh, last night as it turned out. I think he's frustrated that his bullpen overall 
lacks the kind of firepower and arms he needs to beat a team like Toronto in Toronto, let alone the Yankees or anyone else that's considered a World Series contender. You tell me, how has this all affected the dynamic in the clubhouse as to your understanding? I think that that guys are pissed, yeah. Yeah, I haven't asked any of the players point blank, like, how do you feel about this? Because I don't want to pry on something like that. Um, I don't want them to have to feel like they're betraying a teammate by speaking about it. Uh, But I have talked to people that are kind of like close to the team and like, yeah, it doesn't I don't get the sense that guys are super thrilled about it. Um, But yeah, I think with with Alex Cora in his tone last night, because he was not pleased before he was even asked a question. I'm coming off a bad loss for sure. But Cora, he reads and he sees everything on the internet. So I'm sure going into that series, he knew like, hey, we blow a save here. I know what I'm walking into. Like I already know, like, I, like kind of like how I said, the story was already written when you had Danish out there to start the ninth. Cora probably knows, all right, if we don't win this game, it's a one-run game. I got Danish out there. It's a second inning of work. If we don't win this game, I already know what questions I'm walking into. That's probably aggravating when you knew going into the season that you needed more firepower. This was not one of those, like, let's let's wait and see what we got. We can assess after a third of the season. And then if we have to, we have to make some additions here, some, 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 some subtractions there. We can do that. Alex Cora knew before the season started, we need more help here. And it hasn't really been a situation where you've ha- you, you've subtracted. You haven't added. Garrett Whitlock, you already had a, a firepower arm in the back end of your bullpen. And what do the Red Sox do? They take it away. We need that guy. We have starters. We don't have a bunch of aces here. We have a bunch of guys that can go out there, give you five, six innings, and give you a chance to win a ball game. That's all you can ask for in this division. You don't have other teams that can just roll out a, a god-mode reliever, especially a righty, because that's what they need. That's what Heim Bloom said. We need two more righties. So now if, if, if Garrett Whitlock is going to come back uh, from the injured list and be a reliever when he does that, do you still need two more? Is no, Whitlock you need one more, guys? I think. Yeah. And you, and you would put Whitlock back in the bullpen. A thousand percent. Me too. I never wanted him to leave. Me too. Yeah. And Cora gave some indication that that may be going on today, right? He did his weekly interview with, um, you know, WEI, they're the rights holders. And uh, and said, you know, there were discussions going on about how we're going to use Whitlock. Do you think that that's where they're headed? A thousand percent. Okay. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, and, independent. We talked about this before yeah. about how the Red Sox are stubborn. Uh, to their credit, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But they think that they're the smartest guys in the room. And I don't think if it weren't for this trip to the injured list that we would have seen Whitlock return to the bullpen. I think it gave them an out to say, "Hey." You know, he's on the injured list. Let's ease him back in. It's not because we're admitting fault or mistake. It's not because it didn't work out. We're going to take him from the injured list. We'll ease him back in instead of giving him, you know, we're going to expect six innings. We don't know. He's going to ramp up. He's going to have uh, rehab starts, stuff like that. You can just put him right back into the bullpen where he should have been the entire time. Okay. And they're going to, you know, the timing will be good for them, too, because Chris Sale pitches in his next rehab game tomorrow. Portland. Right. That's a double A. And so his return may coincide with that of Whitlock, or pretty close anyway. And, again, pretty close, not perfect, but the point being that they'll be able to add Sale back into the rotation at the time they put Whitlock in the bullpen. They'll be able to justify it that way. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get to your phone calls when we come back, and then I want to get to Alex Cora's role in this whole thing uh, last night, whether or not Cora is to blame, how he managed the staff, and what may have led to him being as frustrated as he was 
after that game last night. Okay, so I see you all on the line. Don't go anywhere. Again, we'll take your call. 617-779-0985 with Jared Karabas of DraftKings on the Baseball Hour. The Baseball Hour with Tony Maz continues after these on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on Backstagecountry.com. This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Does something like this, I mean, change your frustration on the vaccination thing? No. Having to manage a game totally different? No. At, at, the, at the least, you know, the, the status, you know, the status of, of help is what it is. But is, is that a situation where you felt his absence? Is that safe to say? I mean, we go with the 26 that are here and we try to get 27 outs and we didn't do it. Again, that's Alex Cora postgame. You give one word answers, I don't care who you are. Alex Cora or anyone else, you don't want to deal with it. You're pissed off. No. No. Jimmy, can we play just that little exchange again? Jared and I were talking in here, and I'm sure Jared's already heard it. But that, that one back and forth again. No. No. Does something like this I mean, change your frustration on the vaccination thing? No. Having to manage the game totally different? No. I mean, well, that's because it's Chris Cotillo asking the questions, and he's an annoying little curmudgeon. Chris Cotillo of Mass Live? Yeah. Yeah. Cosign. And so, uh, <laughs> look, I give him credit for asking it. I, you know, but, but I also know that, you know, how Cora feels about it. The real answer is yes, Cora's agitated. Of course he's agitated. Wouldn't you be if you had to answer for someone else's vaccination decisions? And someone else's roster. Yeah. So I, part of me wonders, Jared, and this is me speculating. Yeah. If you know, is Bloom, I think Bloom is still on the trip. I don't know if he's there. Okay, so I I thought Bloom was on this trip, and uh, in any case, even if he if he weren't on the trip, I think there's every chance that after the game, the two of them talk. They probably talk after every game. Would you see, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, there's always going to be a discussion to be had. And I, I know from experience that sometimes the manager will say, well, or the GM will say, well, how come he made this move? How come he didn't make that move? And I, I thought he was in Cleveland at the beginning of this trip. I remember seeing him in the stands. So maybe he's on the whole trip. Wouldn't surprise me if Core came in afterward and he said, did you think about using Danish in the seventh and Schreiber in the ninth? Did you, did, you know, was that at all an option? And Core's probably looking at him going, are you kidding me? So you took away Whitlock. You give me Hauk, and then Hauk can't come because of vaccination status, and then you're going to sit here and ask Schreiber versus Danish or Danish versus, you know, Schreiber, Danish versus Danish Schreiber when I got to get through Springer, uh, Bichette, and Guerrero? And you're going to ask me about, you know, did I use them properly? One of those guys was going to get lit up, I am. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I wonder if maybe something like that happened. Right. And look, again, I dramatize it. I think stuff like this happens with managers and GMs all the time. All the time. And when the relationship is good, 
and overall the team's doing well, you endure it and you move on, no big deal. But there are going to be tense moments during the course of the year. When the relationship is bad and they pile up and things go bad, eventually someone gets fired. I don't think Alex Cora is in any danger of being fired here. He's got two years beyond this one, and I don't think Hyam Bloom's in any danger of being fired. I think they're married for a little while. But I could totally see Cora losing his mind like that. The Danish versus Schreiber thing, who use, who they use first. Do you second-guess Cora at all there? I don't I don't necessarily second guess him I think um cuz at the at the time they didn't have the lead right in the 7th they didn't have the lead at that point uh it's hard to forecast something like that especially uh you know the way that the series had gone to that point so I don't think you can hindsight 2020 even look back and be like yeah I think I would have flip-flopped them when you can't assume that you know Vasquez is going to come through with, with a big knock in the 8th um, I think if you were going to do something, it would have been like split up Strom and Danish because you weren't going to in the ninth. You mean. Yeah, you weren't going to you weren't going to have uh, Strom face righty, 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 one, two, three as part of their order, especially when George Springer is not your prototypical leadoff hitter. He's got about as much pop as the the run of the mill second or third hitter in, in a lot of lineups. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't question it. it. It didn't work out, and I think it's more to what you're indicating here is that there's no firepower there. You're not going to go to Diekman. You're not going to go to um, Strom. Not out of the gate. No. Yeah. No. Too many righties. Wait, they're just they're loaded with righties, and they're all good righties. Exactly. So. Yeah, I, to me, you don't have the arms. That's what I think the problem is. You didn't have the you don't have the arms with Elk. Okay, now look, you'd add Schreiber and Hulk, but I think that uh, without Hulk, you're really screwed. So anyway, 617-779-0985, we'll take your calls with Jared. Uh, Nick is in Westport. Nick, go ahead. Uh, hey, Madden. Hey, Jared. What's going on today? Uh, so obviously we're all irritated about the Sox, and like Jared said, yesterday was basically scripted to a T. That couldn't have gone, honestly, more perfect for this like situation at hand because the Red Sox have themselves an all-star caliber closer sitting in their rotation injured right now. And that pretty much is what I believe and what we all can agree on is because of this is that they took the perfect guy in the perfect situation and they tried to move him into another situation. And while I do agree that Hauk should get vaccinated because he's been pretty good in that role and he's costing us big time right now, at the end of the day, Whitlock is the one who really should be in that role. Okay, and you think, Jared, as do I, that Whitlock is headed back there? Yes, yeah. And, and I, 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 I'm not exactly sure what the plan is specifically because Whitlock to the bullpen, we still don't really know what that means. Like, is he going to be a multiple-inning guy like he was before? Are they going to try and make him more of a traditional closer where it's like, all right, this is the game's in the line. We need you for an inning. More of like a Schreiber role versus the old uh, bullpen role that he was fulfilling uh, prior to getting moved to the rotation. I don't know. Um, I know that we talked about this before in terms of what role we prefer him in and what we like him in the most. I think we had agreed we like him as this kind of roving, uh, multiple inning yeah. bullpen guy. But the more that we watch this team in particular, how many games have that 14? How many games have they lost because of the last at bat? You know, uh, like where well, there's would seven walk offs. Yeah, there you go. There, there's half of it. Okay. Plus, plus, uh, it's somewhere around that because you can blow a save not in the ninth inning, but I think there's somewhere around 14, 15 blown saves. That's right, yeah. So what role would you want having assessed 
what the team's greatest need is right now, knowing what he's capable of as a bullpen arm. Can I tell you what? As you lay it out the way you laid it out, I love the idea of the multiple inning thing for Whitlock. And it allows you to manage the workload a little bit more so you're not using them on back-to-back days and things like that. I love the idea. But in order to do it, you got to go get me another late-inning reliever. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's got to be someone with Hauk. And then you still have Schreiber, and you want to use Schreiber in the sixth or seventh inning to match up with righties. Fine. Maybe on a night where Whitlock's not available. But but then you're talking about three or four right-handers, along with a couple of lefties, and now maybe you're talking. But I would say Whitlock and one other. That's how I, that's how I feel about it. There's an interesting name that uh, was brought to my attention in the last couple of days here in terms of something that the Red Sox could do. It's, it's, it's out there. It's out there in terms of an idea. Is this Daniel Bard? Nope. Better. I mean, better, like, more... Uh, it's creative. I, okay, give me who. What if the Red Sox drafted Kumar Rocker and, bam, put him put him in the bullpen? Because he's eligible for the draft again. Correct. Right, he was drafted by the Mets, the and Mets. they found an issue with his elbow or something. Yep. Right, so again, you know the... and, and But he'll be right back in the draft. And is he big league ready? That's, that's, what, that's what we're hearing, yeah. Because he was playing indie ball. He was in such a rough position because he, he could... He, they passed on him and they drafted him. They didn't sign him, and then he couldn't go play minor league ball somewhere. He can't play any level there. But yeah, he's playing indie ball, and he's good. Good okay, to go. Okay, where's he projected to go in the coming draft? Uh, I think he's going to be somewhere in the, in the first round again. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was an interesting idea. I do mm-hmm. like ideas like that, Jared. That was pretty good. <laughs> Alex is in Connecticut. Alex, go. Yeah, hey, man. Uh, you know what? A couple of things. First of all, Hauk, I mean, I'm not going to blame him. He's not the scapegoat. When, when all of a sudden did he become the official closer? It's not his fault. He's been Sandy the official Kofax closer for two weeks. Hey, six for six and saves. So for two weeks? Well, Sandy Koufax didn't start the first game of a World Series, and a lot of his teammates didn't like that either. Okay, I don't give a rat's ass about Sandy Koufax 100 <laughs> years ago. Seriously. That's literally like 70 years ago. What the hell does that got to do with anything now? And look, I understand Jared's point. Okay, Jared's being respectful. He's a good guy. I'm telling you, my personal opinion in team sports is you got to make sacrifices. That's what being on a team is about. It means you got to give something up. And if Tanner Houck wants to be a big league pitcher and in a significant role, pitching in those big innings late in games, dude, you got to be there. You got to be there. It's the first rule. Guys who aren't available are useless, no matter how talented they are. If you're unavailable, you're useless. The other thing, too, with the, the vaccination things with some of these guys, I don't know what sales reasons are, but for the other guys on the team, they need to get someone smart and educated to just sit them down and have a, inform ed- them. Just just have a conversation about it, because I've heard like rumors of their reasons for not wanting to do it. And none of them really check out, you know, like you they have a conversation with these guys. Be like, hey, even just. Put, not even from like a team perspective. Just sit them down, talk to them about their careers. Like you're damaging your own careers with with this. Like look around the league and see how many guys have just taken the shot. It's not even about like, hey man, like you know, put your health aside for the 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 sake of uh, a sport. It's like it's not even that. Like just, I, I feel like there's a lot of misinformation going on there. So Jerry, this is a good point though that that a good agent. Would say to a player, and let's just be, let's just use Hulk as an example. Okay, I don't even know who Hulk's agent is, but that agent should be saying to him, Tanner, make sure you understand what you're doing here. Okay, I'll put you in touch with a good medical expert that we have connections with, and you know, a, a, someone you can trust. Okay, and we'll spell it out for you what the risks are if there are any at all. There are no real risks, not for men. 
Like there were some at the beginning with the J&J and women, and, you know, there were some variables there. But my understanding is the vaccine is working. Okay. Again, I'm just giving you my, you know, my own experience, my primary care without getting into too many, you know, of who he is and the, the, the more, I don't want to get into vaccine discussion. I'm going to let, I'm going to let that part go. Seriously. I'm going to let, I got sucked in. I got sucked in. I'm going to let that go. Tony's in stone. Him. Tony, hey, go. How are you, buddy? You Good. do a great, great show. Here's the real problem. First of all, I'd have some kind of penalty for these guys that don't want to take the vaccine. But here's the problem. The Red Sox have nine games under 500 against the East. Correct. They're 14 games over 500 against the West and the uh, Central. Correct. And and they have a lot of games. And they're the worst team. They're the worst team in the East with, uh, as far as these records go. Okay, That's so Tony, Tony, is. Tony, I'm going to stop you. Here's what I would tell you. Okay, here's what I would tell you. Their record this year is 2-7 and seven against Toronto. They have had three games in Toronto that they have lost on a grand slam in the bottom of the eighth, <laughs> a game in which they blew a 5-2 lead in the ninth and gave up a two-run homer with two outs to make it 5-5, and then last night where they were up 5-4 going into the ninth and they didn't have their closure because he's not vaccinated. So if they had just a better reliever at the end of the game, could they have won all three of those games against Toronto? It's not like Toronto is miles ahead of them like the Yankees are. Okay, the Yankees are blowing doors on everybody. So forget the Yankees. They're gone. The Yankees are in the wind. They, you, you are smelling their, their uh, vapor trail. Okay, they're gone. But the Blue Jays aren't better than you. They're about the same. If you just had a bullpen, you'd be 5-4 and four in the, against the Blue Jays instead of 2-7. and seven. Not even a bullpen. Just one guy. Right. Give me a closer. Right. Get me a closer. And you probably... If they had a closer from day one... I don't even think that it would be unreasonable to say that you wouldn't be saying you're you're smelling the vapor trail of the Yankees. Right. You'd be yeah, within like five six, games. Seven, yeah, somewhere around there. Five or six games, yeah. Jared. I agree. Yeah. Yep. Because to your point, if you take all those blown saves and cut them in half. Sure. The Red Sox are six games better than they are. And now you're six games behind the Yankees. Mm-hmm. You're right. You know, I don't want to say you're right there, but you're not getting dusted. Yeah, you're not saying, hey, the division is an unreasonable mountain to climb. You're not doing that. See, and this is why I put that that part on high and bloom. Like, again, people want to talk about last night. I put that, a, a significant part of that on Hauk. I do. And then if you want to put some on Corey, you can do that, too, in terms of how he utilizes relievers late in the game. I would tell you that at that stage, you're picking between how you want to die. Okay, that, that's really, you don't, have, you don't have the horses to match up with Springer, Bichette, and Guerrero. That's the way I saw it. I'm the manager here. Okay, now again, Corey's got to work on the delivery because that comes off bad. I like it. But Tell those nerds who the manager is. But, but I, you know, My manager. But at the end of the day, the two trips there have gone the same way. Which tells you what? That no matter who you put out there, Diekman blew the game. Danish blew the game. Uh, who am I leaving out? Uh, Robles blows the game. You know, th- their hitters are better than your pitchers late in the game. That's what the issue is. So, I, you know, I'm not saying let Cora off the hook, but I don't care who you got managing that bullpen. Uh, Jim Murray's got your headlines here. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue with your calls with Jared Carabas on the Baseball Hour. BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. 
Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. Now more baseball and more Mads. Okay. This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Mads on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Ranked in the center field. Tapia racing Go. back. Go. He's back. He's back. Turning. That ball's out of here. Ref Snyder onto the batter's eye. And he has tied the ball game. Rob Ref Snyder out of that leadoff spot. And cranks one for 25. And it's a brand new ball game. Should have been the hero of the game last night, Rob Ref Snyder. Boy, what an impact that guy's had. Made a great catch out in Seattle to win a game out there. He's hitting like crazy. Kills left-handed pitching now. That all changed about a year ago. Mm-hmm. The large majority of his career, he hasn't been able to hit, period. Yeah. Last year, he started hitting lefties. This guy's a functional big league player now. I know this is a, this is a little off topic, but no, this, go. this story broke when you were on the air doing Felger and Maz up here. Freddie Freeman, he fired his agent a couple yes. days ago. Yeah. Uh, there was a report maybe 10 minutes before I walked in the door that when Freddie was in Atlanta, he found out that uh, he wasn't told by his agent what the Braves' final offer was. Correct. Because he knew that Freddie would accept it. So he just didn't even tell him what the Braves' final offer was. Right. They withheld it from him. Yes. Yeah. And he and, found that out apparently when he was just in Atlanta. Yeah. And then the Braves assumed that they rejected it and the negotiations were done and they traded for Matt Olson. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. So he fired his agent. So, again, there you go. Two guys, if you count Trevor's story, yeah. who signed big offseason deals, fired their agent within, call it, three or four months of it. Yeah. I think that there was like some rumor about like the Texas Rangers. Yeah. Wanted story. Yeah. The Rangers, I think, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened, but it was something about they they wanted story to play short, and then it wasn't put in front of story or something like that, and then they end up signing Simeon and Seager, and then he was out, and then he's playing second base of the Red Sox. That's not to say that he doesn't want to be here, but he had the chance to go home to Texas and play shortstop. I'm right. Sure that's the preference. Yeah, and, and so again, look, the, the agents are devious, Jared. Yeah. Devious people. Yeah. They just want their 5% or whatever the hell it is, and they want to move on their merry way. Uh, but anyway, we'll continue with the phone calls here again. Uh, just a brutal loss by the Red Sox last night. And the question really concerns Tanner Houck, the vaccination status, High and Bloom, what kind of bullpen he has been built, and some believe Alex Cora for the people he put in that game last night, like Anthony on the Cape was calling for the second time today. But I'm going to allow it. Yeah. Okay, just don't start well, getting You allowed Tony and Stoneham. I, I did. I did, and I'm allowing you too, Anthony. I'm just putting you on hold. I didn't hang up on you. I'm allowing it. Just don't start giving me Canadian politics. He's Tony and Stone's making points I made two months ago that you can't beat these teams. Okay, so you know you want an interesting tidbit. The entire Red Sox pitching staff is all Heim Bloom, other than Ryan Brazier. Every single guy is a Heim Bloom guy. And Jared, you've been watching. Games. Hold on a second. What about Nathan Avaldi? What about Nathan Avaldi? What, what, was Nate was Nate Evaldi available last? I'm talking about in Toronto, Tony. This series, oh okay. Every pitcher, yes. This series, every pitcher other than Ryan Brazier is a Heim Bloom guy. Now, uh, and let me just tell you something about Tanner Houck. You don't want Tanner Houck, Mike Felger. You don't want a Tanner Houck. 
okay? There's 29 teams lined up for Tanner Houck if you don't want him, okay? Jared, let me ask you a question, okay? You're, you've been watching Red Sox games every game since you were 10 years old, just right? Just get to the question. I, I just, I just, I just made you the Red Sox manager. You're trying to tell me you go with Tanner? Uh, I'm sorry, uh, freaking Tyler Danish for a six-out save last night. Is that what you do if you're the Red Sox manager? Why aren't you criticizing Alex Cora and holding him accountable? Okay, we got it. What other right-hander did you did you want? I mean, if you if you well, start my the guess with, is, with Robles. Okay, but what if you flip flop it? What if you pitch Danish in the seventh and Schreiber in the ninth? Could well, you that, have done well, it that way? Well, we have talked about that. They didn't have the lead at that point, right? But so, it, wouldn't that be more of a reason to hold out Schreiber? In other words, why pitch Schreiber when you're behind? Typically, you use your best relievers only when you're ahead, right? Sure. Or, you know, even at a tie game, you would. Yeah. yeah. And look, I'm not telling you I believe it. Yeah. I'm just telling you, you know, that would be the argument. I, I don't have a huge problem with how Cora did it last night. I probably would have saved Schreiber for the ninth. But you want my honest opinion? Danish would have got lit up in the seventh. <laughs> okay, so, like, what difference does it make? Now you're down six to two and it's over. So what part I, of the lineup was that that Schreiber saw? It was uh, the it was Guerrero for sure. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he saw Guerrero. So again, it was a similar spot in the lineup. And here's the part that Anthony on the Cape is missing, Jared. When you get a team like Toronto, and they have the heart of their order in their case, those three righties. Okay, which are actually one, two, three. But when you have those guys up in the seventh inning, you're seeing them again in the ninth. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go one two three one two three one two three seven eight and nine, okay? Not going to happen with that lineup in that ballpark with your pitching staff. You're going to have to face them twice. You need two righties, not one. Right. And I would say most good teams, you're going to run into a similar problem. The Yankees are going to send up Stanton, Judge, Lemayhew, and whoever else. Okay, you're going to get. You need the second righty. The lefties you can spot a little bit more. It's a little there aren't quite as many left-handed hitters, but the righties. Oh, you're gonna need a, you're gonna need two or three good ones to be able to get through good lineups. Mm-hmm. Same deal with the Red Sox, by the way. Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Trevor Story. If you want to count him, you're gonna see Devers in there who's left-handed, which makes them in some ways a little tougher to get through. But that's the part that Anthony's missing. Okay, that you need two to get through those lineups. You need two. Uh, Drew in Boston. Drew, go ahead. So, to your point, he doesn't think ahead. I, I swear, how many times have I called in, and it's always after a mismanagement of the bullpen. So, you're talking 30, 40 games a year. I, I ask you the same question. The game speeds up. He doesn't have the ability to think that far ahead and make the strategic moves. The, the play last night should have been to save Schreiber for the ninth, knowing you didn't have Hauk. Okay, he could have used Sawamura at the end of the game instead of the, the Danish, or he could have used them in the seventh. At least the guys pitched in big, big uh, out you know situations. This is atrocious. Okay, so again, Drew, you're not the only one that feels this way. Now, I, I'm just telling you that Sawamura. <laughs> that split don't split in Canada. Yeah, it's about to be a souvenir. <laughs> Yeah, it does not. If it doesn't split in Canada, that's right. Mm. About to be a souvenir. Here's the right answer. You don't have the horses. You don't have the horses in the bullpen. You haven't had the horses all year in the bullpen. You are among the... In fact, they've blown more saves, Jared, than any other team in the big leagues, right? That's been all year, yeah. Yeah. And so how is that the manager? The manager's tried to mix it up. Who do they have out there that can close? I mean... 
to to the point about Hauk too, and everyone just absolutely sewering Tanner Hauk. It's not like he's he's six for six in save opportunities. Who was it last Friday? He gave up like three hits. I mean, it's it's not like he's Craig Kimbrell in 2017 out there. And I get it. Like you want all hands on deck, especially for uh, a divisional opponent. You're on the road, and it's the team that's right behind you in the in the wild card standings. I get all that. I, I want Tanner Houck there too, but it's not like it's not like it was a full blown guarantee that if he's there, that you still win that game. Look, Cora's not infallible. Okay, he made a mistake with Eduardo Rodriguez in the World Series. He paid for it. I think he made a mistake last year with Chris Sale in the playoffs. He paid for that. So God knows he's made his share of mistakes. But at least those mistakes that he made were with Sale and Eduardo Rodriguez, who's no Sandy Koufax either if we're going to summon that name again. But these guys now, come on. Tyler effing Danish. Look at this. What do you got, Jared? Something good? Tampa Bay Rays have 19 blown saves. The Red Sox only have 15. Okay, so there you go. Tampa's now ahead of the Red Sox, which would explain why, which would explain why they have plummeted in the standings, too. Uh, Nixon Braintree. Nick, go. Hi. Good to hear from you, Matt. Jared, big fan. Uh, I agree for about how, you know, the best ability is availability. So, you know, down stretch, you need him on the roster. Um, my question is, do you think a game like last night puts a little bit of a heat on Heim for moving up the timetable to go and get a guy like Bard, maybe Bednar, even maybe Dave Robertson, the way he's playing. I, you got to figure the timetable's moved up a little bit now, and you know, got to get these guys on this roster, especially Bard. Okay, so I'll tell you what, this raises an in- interesting question about how Bloom approaches the deadline, Jared. So mull on it for a moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, give it a little thought. Okay, does does all this turmoil in the bullpen, for lack of a better word, this instability and all the problems they've had here in the first half, does it at all inspire High and Bloom to act differently when the trade deadline comes? Okay, we'll answer that question when we come back with Jared Carabas on the Baseball Hour. Stay tuned for more of the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz. BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Award-winning movies often have incredible soundtracks, and many of those have gone on to become country gold. We've picked our top five country songs that have been nominated for an Oscar. Text OSCAR to 45911 to see if your favorite made the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text OSCAR to 45911, and we'll send the link straight to your phone. This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz on 98.5, the Sports Hub. All right, welcome back on the Baseball Hour. We'll try to squeeze in a couple of more calls, but I do want to follow up on that question with Jared Carabas and Pars. Whoops. Whoa. Whoops. <laughs> We're going to keep a tally of, of how many times that that's number two. That's the second time. Every time that you do it, uh, I want a Starbucks gift card. All right. That's fair. Okay. How much is a gift card? Like 20 bucks. Too much. Yeah, Starbucks. That's like two coffees, mass. Stop it. Five bucks a, t- a pop. All right, fine. And I'll, and I'll get you something better than what well, I don't want to say. Every time. I'm every, a Dunkin' guy. I'm a Dunkin' guy. Right, every single time that, that you, that you slip up. It's $5, and then once it hits 100 then you give me the card. Okay, fine. Okay. That's a deal. So I got 18 more to go. I yeah. should, Jimmy, I should, 
I should do this like, uh, you know, a, a guy like, uh, you know, call it, you know, Marshand or Draymond Green. Like, just write the check to the league right now <laughs> yeah. for 200 grand because yeah. you know you're going to commit all these transgressions. I should do that sort of thing right now. So I, I just asked before we went to break the bullpen having gone the way it's gone, will it change the way High and Bloom approaches the deadline? I think it's interesting that he's already publicly spoken about what he's looking at. He wants two righty relievers. And you haven't had many trade deadlines to go on in the high and bloom era. But I thought that that was interesting because he's never done anything like that before. He's never said, hey, uh, I'm going for this. Because now if you fall short of that, he's familiar with how Boston works, with the media, with the fans. People are paying very much attention. Now you failed. You you can't say that and now not deliver on it. But uh, I, I do think there will be some leeway if he's like, well, we consider you know, bringing Whitlock back as a reliever, as one of the two relievers that we needed. Um, and then maybe you can focus on something like first base. And I, I, there's a guy that I am very much interested in. Okay, who at first? I want Josh Bell. Okay. If you look at those offensive numbers. From uh, Washington now, right? Yes. We'll just get the, the Nationals first baseman. We'll just get that guy every single year. Okay. And it's going to work out. If you look at his numbers, Maz, almost identical to what JD has done offensively this year. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm all for that. And he can switch hit. Okay, good. Then, you know, I'm in on that, too. I, I, they could use help at first base. There's no doubt about that. In fact, I, I might put that ahead of anything in the outfield because I think they can kind of patch together the outfield a little bit, and their infield offense will be so good that they can tolerate it. They'll have decent defense in the outfield. That's good enough. And the numbers are pretty good from both sides. So I just say when, when, will I, when I say will Bloom appro- approach it differently, I mean this. He might get two right-handed relievers, but are they going to be Hansel Robles and Tyler Danish? Or are they going to be something better that he has to pay for? And when I say pay for, I mean trade a legit, you know, prospect or something clo- more closer to a legit prospect. And my gut feeling tells me no. That I think that they are still sort of, you know, he likes those trades that are safe. And he will try to find an untapped resource out there that I can help the Red Sox down the stretch, but it won't be the kind of piece we're looking for. That's my two cents. I don't know whether you feel the same way. I My gut tells me that I'm more aligned in, in your thinking, but my heart wants to believe that he'll do something. Yeah, be- me too. Because if you just look at this team, like we said earlier, their Achilles heel is the back end of the bullpen. If you plug that hole and you do it with a, with a big piece, a major piece, not just like the Danish and Robles types – What's who's to say that you can't contend for a championship? You can win it. Yeah. You can win it, especially if Sale comes back healthy. And sure. I know I'm throwing a lot of ifs, but I, I think you can, Jared. I think you can win it. I really believe that. Uh, if you do what you're talking about. Let's squeeze in one more here. Uh, Dan in Boston, quickly. Yes, uh, quickly. So question to you both. Do you trust that High and Bloom uses this scenario as a vacuum to actually make decisions for this year's team and not consistently always going two, three years ahead with his personnel decisions? Okay, excellent question. Sort of a spinoff of what we just asked, similar to what we just asked. But short-term deal versus long-term deal, what do you think the likelihood is? I, I, I tend to, unless he does something out of character, like I think g- going for a guy, I mean, Schwarber, by the way, was a rental. Yes. So it's not like he hasn't done it before, but for a guy that's going to actually be a, like a reliever that's got like three years of control, 
that's different. Like he can help you right now, but you're also going to have to give up a little bit more because he's going to be a part of your bullpen moving forward. He's not a prospect. You're not going to groom him. He's not going to come up in a couple of years. It's going to be a guy that can help you right now and in the next couple of years. Yeah, I, I think that it's worth that. Okay, I even th- I'm okay with a rental if it's a legit guy. And again, I don't know how many legit guys that are going to be out there that are rentals. Not you know? many. Okay, so probably not. So I don't care. I don't even care about the long term thing because I feel like you have some guys in your system that might pan out. You might be able to use in the bullpen. That's okay. There's another off season. You can go out and buy one. Like you know, and I haven't even looked at the free agent list. But I want a real arm. I want a real arm. I want someone at the back end of the game that can pitch in big spots and get big outs. Jared, thank you as always. Tony, thank you for having me. Very much appreciated. Uh, again, that's Jared Carabas of DraftKings. Joining us on the uh, Baseball Hour, Jones and Arkand. Uh, We'll have you coming up. Murray's got your headlines first. We'll see you tomorrow.